0: hi friends good morning and welcome to the bible project daily podcast you join us today as we work together through the gospel of matthew season three of our journey through the entire bible chapter by chapter verse by verse whether you're here for the very first time or you've been on this journey from the very beginning i welcome you and i trust that you're finding the experience of bringing the study of the bible into the rhythm of your daily life transforming as it is, I know, for many of us. If you are here for the first time, then why not click on the subscribe button, and that way you'll never miss another single episode. And do hang around at the end, where I'll update you on lots of other ways you can connect and obtain free Bible teaching resources and other podcasts and recordings, and other ways you can really get to study and know the Word of God. So with that all said, I'll say bye-bye for now, and I'll see you at the end. Okay people, I've called today's message Beware of the Pharisees and we're looking at the first 12 verses of Matthew chapter 23. (laughs) But before I actually read those verses for you, I'd just like to wonder if Pharisee is a word that you've heard before. I'm sure many of you had heard it before and most people when they hear that word, the first thing that comes to their mind is usually negative because even in the secular world that word has a negative connotation. But even most people who have heard the word only have a sort of vague idea about who these guys the Pharisees were, what they were all about, and why particularly did they have such a bad reputation. Who were the Pharisees? What did they teach? And what difference does it make today about these people who lived nearly 2,000 years ago? Well the answer to that is plenty important. As a matter of fact it might not be too much to say that there is potentially a little bit of Pharisee in all of us. But Jesus taught that we should beware of the Pharisees, meaning not only that we should be aware of them today, but also that we should be aware in a sense of Phariseeism. So we need to know what is that and what it is about and what Jesus is trying to warn us about. Well, I believe the answer to that is very clearly spelled out for us, perhaps spelled out for us more clearly than in any other passage in the Bible in the opening 12 verses of Matthew chapter 23, where it tells us this. Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, people observe and do but do not do according to their works. For they say, but do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders. But they themselves will not do as much to move them or take them off with their little fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make selectories which is a small leather box, by the way, put on the forehead, and they make them wide, and they enlarge the borders of their garments. They love to sit in the best places at the feasts, and the best seats in the synagogues. They love loud greetings in the streets and the marketplace, and to be called by men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But you are not to be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, the Holy Spirit, and all of you are brothers and sisters." Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. And do not be called teacher, for there is but one teacher, the Christ. But he who is the greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So this paragraph, this short passage, is talking in some detail about this group of people called the Pharisees. And as I read it, I can see that it can easily basically be divided into two parts. In the first part of this passage, the, roughly the first seven verses, Jesus talks about who they are and what they do, remind us not to do that. And in the second part of the passage, which goes through to verse 12, he tells us what we should in fact do and not do in the light of what the Pharisees did. In other words, what we should actually be doing in contrast to them. So with that in mind, let's look first at what they did and what we should not be doing. So firstly, Jesus speaks to the crowd and his disciples, of course, who are with him. And he says, these scribes, the Pharisees, they sit in Moses' seat. So what does that mean? Now, that was an expression which meant they were holding the position as a teacher. In that day, the teacher sat in a raised chair and whoever they taught, everyone else sat on the floor around them. Now, today, teachers and preachers, they mainly stand and do what they do. But in that day, the people sat and the teachers themselves sat just on a raised chair. And the fact that he says that they sit in Moses's seat indicates that they are the ones who are teaching the law of Moses. So the first things he says that they are the ones who in that society have the authority to teach the law. But then he says so whenever they tell you something directly from the law of Moses then indeed that's something you should do now at first that can sound a little confusing based on what is coming next because it sounds like he's saying whatever they say you should do but what he's actually saying is that you should do it not according to their example you should do it but according to what they say because what they say is based upon the law of of Moses so when they are saying things based upon the law of Moses that you should do it but that becomes obvious that that's not in fact what they're doing because in the very next verse he turns around and says they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them upon people now this leads me to try and explain what these pharisees were all about and what they were doing the pharisees were indeed the teachers of the mosaic law but bear in mind this is what they did and what they had to say about that law of Moses. They said that, that Moses received the law from God, good so far, and then Moses delivered it to Joshua. Okay, but then Joshua gave it to the elders and the elders passed it down to the prophets and the prophets gave it to the men at that time of the great synagogue, which then led in another way is of saying that that carried on down the line and led to them as the scribes and Pharisees at the temple in Jerusalem. In other words, they're claiming to be the direct descendants spiritually of Moses and they say that the law was passed down to them. Now you might say so far so good, but that would only be the case if they were teaching exactly what Moses originally taught. But Jesus is saying the problem here is they've gone way beyond that and beyond what Moses says. They've taken the law of Moses and as we know and was in fact true, they added a whole lot of laws of their own. Now their rational to this was they were saying that the little laws, the lesser laws that they put around and in place, they acted like fences around and protected the big laws given to Moses. So if you obeyed their laws, you wouldn't be in danger of getting to the point where you'd break the big laws. But they kept adding law upon law upon law, adding all these kind of extra little things to the main law of Moses. By the time that Christ was living and walking the earth, they'd actually codified and written down those additional laws. And it took 50 volumes, 50 scrolls to write them all down. And each of those scrolls is about the size of one of the main books of our Old Testament Bible. Can you imagine trying to live a religious life by adhering to regulations that filled 50 volumes? It's almost unimaginable, isn't it? now when you looked at those laws all the emphasis on them was on doing something some things that you had to do and some things that you were forbidden and must not do it was all based on keeping the rules and regulations all this external stuff they put the emphasis on rituals and rites, regulations that you had to follow or things that you weren't allowed to do but all of them were external things Literally thousands upon thousands of rules and regulations where it did nothing but place an intolerable, impossible burden on people. Someone once said that the test of any true faith is its action and does it raise people up or does it weigh them down? Does it bring joy or depression? Is an individual helped by the religious faith or in fact haunted by it? Does our faith carry us or do we strain under the attempt to carry it? And that's exactly what's going on here. And that's what Jesus is saying when he says, the Pharisees are in fact teaching something that is just a heavy burden upon people. And also that they don't lift so much as a finger to help relieve the burden of the people. That burden, who in fact, they were the ones who put it there. This whole idea of being a Pharisee is about following lots of rules and regulations. And the key point is you had to keep those rules those regulations, if you wanted to have any hope of being considered right with God. But Jesus goes way beyond that, and he says, no, it's about your motives. He says, what they're doing isn't real. What they're doing is, in fact, just an attempt to be seen by other people as religious. They may be doing all this religious stuff. They may be keeping all these regulations. But what's really going on there is they just want to be seen by other people and thought of as special and holy. In other words, they're not really seeking the approval of God. They're just seeking the applause of people. Now, at this point, Jesus chooses to give us a number of specific illustrations of how this was working out. Now, one of them had to do with a little leathery box that they wore on the foreheads called a silactory, in which were placed four strips of paper with verses from the Old Testament, two from the book of Exodus and two from the book of Deuteronomy. What the Pharisees did was they took the idea of always calling the scriptures to mind and they externalized it to mean it was wearing those little boxes. But under the Pharisees, those boxes gradually over time became bigger and bigger. The Old Testament also talked about having a worn fringe in the bottom of the skirt, many believe referring to traveling and teaching over the years. But they had a great debate over how long those fringes should be, and they were designed as long coats, capes if you like, which had fringes already upon them. He uses another illustration. He says these guys, they always want the best seats at the banquet, and they want to have the best seats in the synagogue. And the best seat at the banquet, of course, was next to the host. The most honoured sat on the right or the left hand of the host. And another thing, he says, they want to be greeted in the streets with large cries of rabbi. And that word rabbi meant master or even my master. So in Jesus's days, those rabbis definitely thought that they were more important to the point that they were actually telling people they were more important than their own mothers or fathers. Their argument was that your parents, they just gave birth to your physical life, but through their teaching, you would gain spiritual life, and that made them more important than even your parents. So when they went to the marketplace, they instructed people to call them Rabbi, or even Father. Putting all of this together, it comes down to this thing called Phariseeism, which is a focus on the external, outward religious acts, but importantly, activities designed really at heart just to impress other people. The key, as Jesus says, is they're doing all of this just to be seen by people. They're not really doing it for God. Jesus really must have thought that addressing this false perspective was rather important. He spends a lot of time teaching about it and against us. He started in the Sermon of the Mount and he does it regularly all the way through his public ministry. This was a major theme that Jesus kept coming back to over and over again. On another occasion, he said, remember, it's not what goes into a person that defiles them, it's what comes out. In other words, at that time, again, he was teaching, what's in your heart will manifest itself in your external actions. Today, if you have this externalism without having the correct posture of heart, the correct internal attitudes, Your motivation in reality is just about gaining the applause of people. Wanting to look good. And that's what being a Pharisee is all about. And that is the critical component of what Jesus is teaching against here. He's saying if it's not coming from the heart, then that's a problem. And that's why he needs to address it. And one of the reasons he says that this is so detrimental to us is because it starts us down a path one that becomes one activity on top of another. And the emphasis starts to fall on what you're doing, not who indeed you are. Now, I'm not for a minute suggesting you shouldn't do good things in service of the Lord. I'm simply saying when the emphasis is on the doing, it's wrong, the emphasis should be on the being. And if it's not on the being and becoming a disciple, then that by nature becomes a problem in itself. Jesus in this passage is saying, "Beware of the Pharisees. Beware of putting the emphasis on the external activities of religion, because if you do that, it will just become an intolerable burden for you to bear." Matthew, in chapter 11, reported for us Jesus saying, "Come unto me, all of you who labor under heavy laden, and I will give you rest." He also said, "Lean on me, for my burden is light." He specifically says here that the burden of the Pharisees is something that they're putting on people and it is a heavy burden. So when you chase around trying to do things to be noticed by other people, that increasingly becomes just a heavy burden for you to bear. And it's not what God wants for you at all. Religion can indeed become a burden for people, a pressure, a strain, a constant strain even. And that's what Jesus is warning and protecting us from. Don't put the emphasis on the external stuff like the Pharisees. Instead, put the emphasis on having a loving relationship with the Lord and doing things just because you love him and you want to be like him. Now, it is at this point Jesus tells us what we should do and what we should not do in response to this situation. Jesus also reminds us, do not get hung up on being called by some religious title. You really only got one teacher and that's the Lord himself. In reality, in any church or even in an online community like this, there's really only one teacher and that is the Holy Spirit. The person who stands at the front or the person who is speaking into the mic like me is really only a facilitator. The real teacher is the Holy Spirit. Don't think because you maybe get called teacher or pastor by some people. Don't think for one minute that that means you're anything special or you're anything better than other people in the end we're still all brothers and sisters in the lord and jesus is saying here when it comes to spiritual things make sure you don't get so high-minded that you don't forget that truth he then gives another practical illustration in the next verse of how the contrast with the pharisees should be applied he says don't let anyone on earth call you father for one is your father he who is in heaven and do not be called teachers for when there is only one teacher the Christ now I'm aware that there's a whole denomination where the leaders go by the name of father and I've always been struck by this verse in fact when I grew up most of my friends went to that type of church where they called the minister by that title so how do we deal with this how do we answer this when Jesus appears to be saying don't be called father now I need to say that there's an emphasis that we need to have here In fact, Paul was known to say to himself that he was a father spiritually to some other people in the fact that he had led them to Christ. He referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. So there is a sense in which if you lead people to Christ and if you're encouraging and discipling them, you are in a way a sort of spiritual father. But that's not quite the point Jesus is making here. What it is he's addressing here is not just the title. It's about an individual choosing to elevate themselves above other pe- people and saying, I want you to call me father. I want you to give me these titles because I have a position that is higher and holier than you in the church. I have a position that is higher in the, the pecking order before God, if you like. And that's what Jesus is talking about here and warning against here. He says, do not desire to be called teacher. Do not be desired to be called father. For there is but one who is the real teacher and that is the Holy Spirit. So he's making the point that we shouldn't be seeking status in our approach to service or attitude in living the Christian life. Ultimately, none of these titles of these positions will matter because all that's important in reality is our relationship with the Lord. And is it one of love and devotion? And do we do things because we love God and we want to serve him? Okay, the last point he makes in this passage is he says in the closing verses, and he says the one in fact who is greatest among you is the one who will be servant. So we need to hang here for a moment because this is important. There are two main points in this passage. One is what the Pharisees did, putting the emphasis on external acts for the approval of people and how that just becomes a burden on the people. And now we're in the second part of the passage where he said things like, don't seek titles, God is your only father, God's your only teacher. You don't need to raise people up or you must not try and raise yourself up in that way if you're called to those roles. And he climaxes if you like this teaching by saying is your attitude has to be the attitude of a servant. The greatest amongst you should be the one who is the servant and those people who try and exalt themselves they will in fact be humbled and humbled will be exalted. Turns everything on its head doesn't it? So Jesus is teaching that you need to take an attitude of becoming a servant in everything you approach in reference to your Christian life and don't try and exalt yourself raise yourself up above other people because he reminded us here that's exactly what the pharisees were doing be satisfied by simply being and becoming a humble servant of the lord and of others you will not ever get to be great in the eyes of god by seeking some position or some title or even power and authority you get to be great in god by just wanting to be in the service of god The people who are proud the people who want the position and the titles and want the applause of people they don't get anything in the end you know this perspective is at the heart and core of everything that jesus taught about religion about the spiritual life the better way to describe it is everything that he taught about what we today call christianity and anything else was just a poor imitation or worse than that it was a trap what we do has got to come from the heart and it's got to be done for God for only in a sense be seen by him. If you do any of these things wanting credit from people then you've already fallen into the trap of the Pharisees already. I'm not saying that all recognition that's given people is wrong. I'm saying that if you set your heart upon gaining recognition then you've already fallen into the trap of the enemy. I believe All of us, including me, need to walk away from this teaching with a new resolve to say, I just want to be a humble servant of the Lord. What I do, I do for the Lord's sake. Whether I get rewarded down here is not important or the point. I'm just happy to be rewarded by the Lord one day in the future. You see, our object is not behavior. I know that sounds odd, but our object is not to change other people's behavior. Now bear with me. It seems to me a lot of the time, Christian preachers and Christian churches are just spending their time trying to get people to change their behavior. But listen carefully, friends. The object is not behavioral. As a matter of fact, if you make it behavioral, the result will be hopeless legalism, conformity, and then you and other people will just begin to try and live your lives to conform to what everybody else thinks. And all of that will just become heavy burden for you too heavy a burden for people to bear in fact so what is the objective what is the aim and the answer Jesus teaches here the aim is internal transformation if you're transformed on the inside then your heart and your mind and your emotions and your soul they will be where they ought to be and you know what the behavior will then take care of itself if your heart and emotions and mind and your choices are pointed in the right direction, if you have the correct posture of heart, then the issues in your life will begin to take care of themselves. There's no point, I believe, in preaching at people and browbeating people on conforming to external religious activities, because none of that is going to make any difference in their or your position before God. What this always has come down to is the simple fact that god wants your heart and that's the issue here it's about humility instead of pride simply wanting to serve others in your world there are people who desire to be king but in god's kingdom he is the only king and everybody else should just be satisfied with being a servant the greatest jesus said are those who serve and service will always arise out of a posture of humility, never pride. So this comes down to are you just trying to look good in your religious life? Well how about changing that for instead trying to aim to being good and clean and pure on the inside and then you would be able to look God straight in the face and then he will be able to see what was really important to you. Okay, people, that's it for today. I do hope you'll find it helpful. We'll return tomorrow, and we'll actually continue this perspective a little bit more when we'll actually look on the judgment that falls on these people who have this, uh, shall I say, religious, pharisaic attitude to life. As I said at the beginning, if you're here for the first time, let me remind you that my name's Jeremy McCandless, and you've been listening to The Bible Project Daily Podcast. And the object of this project is for us as a community to work through the entire bible chapter by chapter verse by verse now the podcast is hosted on the bibleproject.buzzsprout.com and there if you're not seeing active links wherever you get your podcast from you will find links there to places like the facebook community places where i put additional more formal structured teaching as well as lots of free other bible teaching resources free PDFs of books I've written, things like that. You can find that on Patreon and also on places like LinkedIn. There's also a link to my Amazon author page where some of my books are still available in printed form. I have made the decision recently to over the next year or so, put all my previously published books in the public domain and make them freely available to read or to download as PDFs at no cost. So if you've got a moment, check out there. You don't need to subscribe there. You're quite at liberty just to subscribe wherever you get all your podcasts from, but you can of course subscribe on the host website at bozsprout.com as well. So with that said, thank you so much again for joining me. I do hope you're benefiting for having this time together studying and making the study of the Bible part of the rhythm of your daily life. And I do hope I'll see you back here tomorrow. Well, as I say many times, it'll be tomorrow for me. It will be whatever day that you choose to listen to and whatever piece you choose to listen to. And meet again as part of the Bible Project Daily Podcast. Bye-bye for now.